Georgia trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move by in here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Lead pass to Tim Hill, Bush Parker, my man, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How you doing, family? Doing good, man. Always good to hear from you. You know, it's all love. Uh, you know, me, you, my brother, we go way back, man. It's 2019, so <laughs> we're going like almost 20 years. Uh, I yes, was sir. I was young, and you, you know, you were still playing basketball uh, in street ball tournaments and McBurney YMCA here in here in New York, and um, yes, sir. <laughs> so. Um, anytime I get a chance to talk to you on the phone or in person, it's always a good thing. And just glad to know that you're, you're doing well, you know? I mean, thanks for having me, man. Like you said, you know, we go way back and it's uh, mm. really uh, it's real good to see where, you know, life has taken the both of us, man. Right. I just want to congratulate you and your family, your brother on, you know, all the success that you guys have had in the game of basketball and then, you know, life in general. Thank you, man. I greatly appreciate that. And I think, you know, for me doing these uh, Retro Room podcast shows, um, you know, you were a guy that I, that I felt like I could get on. That If I reach out to you, you'd be more than willing to do it. So um, for background purposes, the Retro Room is a podcast that, I, that I've been doing for almost a year now. And it's just me talking about retro throwback nostalgia basketball because you know everybody talks about what's going on now with lebron and durant and the warriors and those guys but at some point you know you want to talk about what happened back in the day and you know in my era when i was growing up and just getting that opportunity to talk to people who covered the nba back then or who used to play in the nba back then or the possibility of current players coming on so I think it's been cool. This is like maybe my 15th, 16th episode and just sharing knowledge of what's been going on from back in the day from like the 90s Bulls to the Nixon Heat rivalry. I can go on and on, but um, I felt like having you on is cool. You, you have a, a great, unique story, NBA career-wise, you know, what you're doing now. So again, man, I do want to thank you for coming on. No, th- thanks for having me, man. I know there's a lot of... Uh no New York City greats that you could have on your show and I'm just honored mm. that you are uh, you know you got me on it now you know just talking <laughs> about uh, you know the, just the greatness of basketball the sport man right I'll start off with this man I think it's very it's very interesting to to to, to hear and see what Smush Parker is up to nowadays you know 2019 uh, I know you still play ball here and there when you can um but right now you're you're in the refereeing game. You know, I've seen you referee a couple times, and you know, looking pretty good out there. I know I know you're getting better at it. Eventually, one day you 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 know will be a ref in high school and college in the NBA. But um, 
real quick, number one, what what prompted that decision where, you know what, I think I want to try to be a referee from now on? Well, you know, um, when I was uh, <clears throat> when I was still playing, I thought I was going to play forever. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought <clears throat> when I was still in the game playing, you know, playing overseas, playing in the NBA, I never really thought about life after basketball. And it wasn't until about maybe four years ago, I was still actively playing. I think I was in Morocco at the time. You know, I, I felt my career, you know, coming to an end. Mm-hmm. I knew it was, I knew it was coming, uh, you know, sooner than later. I'm 38 now. So um, by the time I was about, you know, 34, I was really given that, uh, that life after basketball thought, you know, real serious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some real serious attention. And um, I knew I didn't want to go into coaching. I know a lot of basketball players, they go into coaching, whether they have mm-hmm. AAU teams, they uh, go to their college alma mater and join their, you know, the, the coaching staff there, or even, you know, get back into the NBA and coaching. I didn't want to go that route. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I was I searching my heart and what my passions were and and this referee thing. I, you know, I really felt passionate about it and I'm, I'm pursuing it with everything I have. Mm. So, w- what have you learned about the refereeing portion that you might not have n- known about while you were a player? Uh, well, I mean, there's a, a lot now that I understand. Um, you know, there's, there's, I guess there's two levels of refereeing. There's, uh, when I say levels, I mean just uh, there's two man referees and then three men, mm-hmm. and you know they have they all have their their zones that they cover during the game. So one referee. Our two referees aren't looking at the same play. Right. You know, they all have different zones and different areas of the court that they, you know, that they have to cover. And I didn't know that as a player. And that's just that's that's just the surface stuff that I, you know, I'm not going to go into the deeper stuff. But mm. you know, that's one of the first things I learned that uh, you know referees have areas on the court that they cover, and uh, you know sometimes you know you know they miss foul calls or we miss foul calls or mm. you know you know a certain referee is not. Know looking in your area, so we can, you know, there are there are dead spots. Right. So right now, you would say refereeing is a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. It's, it's a, it's, yeah, I enjoy doing it. Uh-huh. I do. I enjoy doing it. It's a. Uh, it's exciting because now I get to see the game from another another aspect. You know, I love this game of basketball. I never played it for anything else. I never played it for the money. Never played it for the fame. Never played it to you know. You know, for anything else but the love of the game. So for me to be still connected with it and, you know, seeing the game from a different aspect mm-hmm. is just another level of love that's, you know, that's 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 good for me. Right. And then, you know, you're right about when a player retires or walks away from the game, they usually go back to their alma mater, they usually become a coach or start their own AAU program or go into broadcasting, TNT, ESPN, and sometimes, very rare, you know, you get the former players going into becoming a, a referee. And, you know, me, man, I, I know it's a very difficult job, but once you know the ins and, out, ins and outs of it, it becomes pretty easy. And somebody like you who, you know, been playing street ball for so long that, you know, is I for me, it's kind of funny that the player – who might have like barked and cursed and whatever at the referee back in the day, and now you're on the other side. Like I, I like I'm trying to imagine one day <laughs> you make a call, whether it's a a, a, a boy or a, a grown man sport that you make a call and they start arguing and riffing at you. Like you know what? That was probably me back in the day doing that. 
Yes, sir. That, it was definitely me. I definitely barked at the uh, referees. <laughs> I definitely have my, I definitely have my relationships with the referees when I was younger. They all knew that I was the the one I was going to get a tech at least one a game, mm. at least one a game. I used to ask for a tech before, uh, you know, during a game. That's that that was. Uh, I guess you could say that was my reputation. Right. You know, I was gonna I was gonna challenge you know the rest to you know be on their A game just like they you know they want us as players to be on our A game. Mm. You know, so. Um, no, but you know that. But I think that that also gives me the advantage because I play True. the game because I understand mm. the uh, the the level of passion that guys have. You know, while they're playing, you know, when when on me being on the referee side now, I can I, I can show a little uh, patience right. or a lot more patience in the moments when players have their little outbursts or players have their little moments of you know not liking the call. I'm not quick to react because I understand where they're coming from and I know it's not personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think now that, you know, when you with you doing this, I, I think you are going to be doing this for quite some time. So I know you're still learning a bit more about it, but what is what is the, the goal? Is it to become a high school referee? Is it to become a, a college basketball referee? Is it to, to be a referee overseas or in, in the NBA? Which one is it? Nah, my 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 goal is to get back to the NBA. Okay, I'm I'm getting back to the NBA, and uh, it's mm-hmm. gonna be on a, a refereeing side. Mm-hmm. So, with the players right now, if I put you referee in the game right now, who 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 is a player that you would love to referee or be? It'll be interesting to referee. Uh, <laughs> 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 Don't put me in that spot, man. I'm not trying to get in trouble by the referee association. No, I had a, you know, I'm just say a joke. There was, um, I put up on my Instagram page, mm-hmm. you know, a picture of me refereeing. And, you know, I have a, you know, quite so, you know, quite a few people that take interest in my page. So mm-hmm. a fan wrote, you know, um, you know, good luck. You know, I wish you all the best. I can't wait to see you back in the NBA. Um, you know, um, just make sure James Harden gets all his foul calls. <laughs> and, and I, and I responded, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna make sure that you know I call travel on all James Harden's moves. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, is that a travel? Uh, I mean, I, I, people I know be like, nah, that's not really a travel when you really look at it. But sometimes it is. It just, I think, in the heat of the moment, in real time, it's very difficult to make that call because it, it happens so quick. And I think he disguises that move. But is that a travel or what? Listen, um, again, the referees are very um, organized and they're um, strict and, to the, and they, they have certain rules that they um, are um, obliged by and they're graded every game. So I know that there's somebody that's overseeing them that mm-hmm. you know tells them what's a travel, what's not a travel. I know as a player, when I played in the NBA, right. you know, uh, be, before the season, they used to, you know, all the referees or the head referees used to travel to each team and uh, have a seminar as to, you know, what, you know, the rules were, uh, w- rules were going to be mm-hmm. uh, for the season. You know, not that they changed the rules, but, you know, certain things that they noticed the season before that they was going to try to crack down on. You know, um, like right. I'll give you an example, like they, um, the, the Allen Iverson hop step, you know, um, one season they came in and said that it was uh, going to call a travel on that. You can't, you can't take off a of one foot and then land off a of two and then pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, you know, they, they're, they're well-structured. They're a well-structured organization that they have um, uh, checks and balances. So if they're, if they're not calling it travel, then it's not a travel. Right. And I'm going to leave it like that. Mm-hmm. So what has been the feedback so far from, from you know, regular players who have seen, seen you referee or stuff like that? What, what has been the, the feedback so far of how you've been doing? Uh, feedback has been all positive. Mm-hmm. All positive, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that I'm doing it. So when they see me out there, they're like, "Hold up, <laughs> I, I, uh, you, you kind of look like Smush." Yeah, I've seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. You know, they 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 get kind of caught off guard, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's pretty interesting that you know a lot of people will come up to me and be like, "Yeah." Yo, you look like you look like somebody I know. You look mm-hmm. like Smush Paul, but they'll never be like, "Oh, Smush, what's up?" I didn't know you was rapping. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, you know, I wish you all the best in doing that. I know you get uh, bigger and better at it. Um, so continue success with that. You're also Appreciate doing it. the uh, Smush Parker Elite. Is it an AAU program or a team or what is it? Nah, no. So Smush Park Elite is just my brand. Okay. You know, right. I'm trying to, you know, rebrand myself. You know, I've been overseas for the last 10 years. So I kind of fell off the face of the earth, you know, mm-hmm. here, in, here in, the, in the United States. So I'm trying to rebrand myself from, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, that um, happened when I was in the NBA. Um, trying to re- uh, make myself a, a household name again, put myself back on the map. Um, but I have a, a nonprofit called Smush Inspires, mm-hmm. and and my nonprofit organization is geared to, you know, hosting free cancer, uh, free basketball cancer clinics for uh, overlooked kids or inner city kids that don't have the resources to make it to an NBA game, or to right. uh, pay for one of these high profile athletes' basketball camps. You know, so I've, I partnered with the Boys and Girls Club. I also partnered with Wuda Apparel, who does all my jerseys. I partnered with the Rock Basketball, nice. and they've been helping me. And they've been helping me, uh, you know, um, like really push this movement forward and, you know, hosting this, these free basketball camps and clinics all over the nation. And uh, when I when it's all said and done, Smush Park is not, a, not a Smush Inspired, I should say, is not only going to be geared towards, you know, basketball clinics. Um, I'm also looking to, uh, you know, really invest a lot of time here in New York City, the New York City playgrounds. Mm. Um uh, you know, when I get that off the ground, I come back on the show and talk about. It, but I don't want to let too much out of the bag right now. No problem. Um, but yeah, that, you know, I'm 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 doing I'm trying to do some big things. Nice man. And for those who want to know more about it or even reach out to you, you're only on Instagram, right? No, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. All Facebook. Okay, so your Instagram is Smush underscore Parker underscore Elite, and the Facebook is the same thing. Same thing, yes, sir. So, Smush Parker Elite for those who want to know more. Um, I've known you before you went to Fordham and, and Cavaliers and all that. You were a, a streetball player. Uh, yes, one of One of my favorites, one of my brother's favorites, and one of my dad's favorites from back in the day. Um, and you, you, you played, I think, in every major tournament in the city, right? Yes, sir. Uh, how many championships do you have? Um, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, no, honestly, the, 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 the championships were never big for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, not that, uh, that I'm not, not anybody who, you know, is into championships, like championships, right. like, you know, and, and, and city ball in New York city is, is, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I knew what the end game was for me. I always wanted to make it to the NBA. Right. So I always played against the competition. 
so that my game could elevate, so that I could be better. I never play with the competition because when you play with the competition, you're not playing against nobody else, and mm. you know your game isn't really elevated. So I always, you know, went went up against the Goliaths. You know what I'm saying? Like I went up against the uh, the big teams, the teams that had all the, the names. So I mm. can, you know, I can I can sharpen my game and be better. So I wasn't in it for championships. Like I could have got that with the best teams, right? And won, you know, a lot of championships. But that wasn't the end game for me. My end game was past looking past New York City championships. Mm. So how was playing? street ball here in New York um, how did that help you develop your game going forward well I mean a lot of people uh, a lot of people see street ball or uh, they view street ball as guys who play in basketball tournaments mm-hmm. see I, I'm I, I like to I'm, I'm a street ball player like I grew up playing in the streets like I didn't play any organized ball until I was about 14 years old I only played one year high school basketball, one year college. I was my game was honed from from playing in the streets my entire life. So when people say I'm a street ball player, you play I play in these tournaments and I play in that tournament, I'm a street ball player. Mm. I'm like, I'm a street ball player. I I didn't I played in the streets. I was all over. I was uh, played in the in the parks in Manhattan, played in the parks in Brooklyn, played, played in the parks in the Bronx, played in the parks in Queens. Like that was that was me. So my my game is from the street. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Going going through your stuff, you know, I, I did see that you only you only spent one year in high school, obviously one year in college, and you didn't play basketball until a certain age. And it's like, you know, most most won't even know about that. They probably thought you were playing since you were five, you know, five, seven years old and you were nice since the beginning. But that's what I'm saying, like with this show, most won't even know that you pretty much started late. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say I started late. I got on a scene late, okay. and this is what this. You, to, I'm sorry to answer your last question was, you know, the reason why I got to the level that I got to is because I played in the street. Because I never played in tournaments that, against guys my own age. Right. You know, when you play in organized ball, you play in your you know your same age bracket. Well, when you're in a the street, there's there's no there's no organization. There's no okay. You're 15 years old. You got to play against a 15 year old, mm. or you're you know. 10 years old, so you got to play in a 10-year-old. No, street ball, you know, whoever comes to the park is playing. So I grew up my whole life playing against men. Even from a child growing up, I was playing against men. So by the time I started playing organized ball and I was playing against kids my own age, Mm -hmm. it was a a cakewalk for me. Right. So now when you're you're doing this, was your your motto to just to... Go out there and kill and win championships, or was there anything specific that of your game that you wanted to work on every single time that you were out there? No, I mean for me, like I said, I love the game of basketball, so I was just going out there to play. I love playing the game, and that's one thing. Um, that's one thing that I am con- conflicted with when it comes when I see a lot of these parents and coaches, you know, forcing these kids. Or no, I don't want to say forcing, but they're like really pushing them to you know, practice and being a gym and doing drills and, you know, um, I don't have anything against it, but if a child isn't in a gym because he wants to be in a gym, he's going to grow up, you know, uh, not really wanting to, you know, play the game. Like he, he, he never developed the love of the game. Mm-hmm. So I believe, I believe I'm a firm believer in, a, in letting a kid be a kid and go, let him go out, go out and enjoy the game, um, at his, you know, leisure. 
Right. You know, because I, I was always I was always in the gym and I wasn't in, I wasn't in the gym, you know, to shoot 500 shots. I believe if you're counting your shots, you don't really love the game. I was in a, I was in a gym in the streets. I, I got I remember days where I, they locked me in a park because the park was shut down. But I was in a park by myself shooting baskets and I would have to climb the fence to get out. Mm-hmm. So I was just around the game. I wanted to be I want to be around the game. I wanted to, I wanted to be playing basketball. So, mm-hmm. again, like I, it, it, for me, it wasn't. You know, okay, I, I need to get in the gym and dribble, dribble between some cones and three or four or five moves between the legs and then get to the basket and do a reverse layup. I was just, I played the game because I loved it. Do you have any favorite street ball moments that you recall? Street ball moments? Yeah. Or like, or like maybe saying like, I, I rephrase it, or like maybe a moment where you're playing against a notable player or you're playing with an, a, a, a big time not- notable player? Man, uh, I, I done played so many street ball games and tournaments. Uh, mm-hmm. They all kind of run together, you know, but I guess the one, the one game, I guess would that put me on the, uh, the uh, New York city unlimited uh, circuit was uh, I was playing at West Fourth Street and I was playing for a team called um, I believe not Kim's All Stars. What was it? I just know that we was playing against the powerhouse Nike One team, mm-hmm. and they and they had that's when they had uh, Junie Sanders, mm-hmm. and they had uh, I don't know if you remember that team Nike when they had Junie Sanders. They had Flight. Yep. They had Tone, mm-hmm. Showtime, Superman. Yep. Um, they were loaded, and it was a playoff game. It, it was either a playoff game or a championship game, and I was going up against, you know, Junie Sanders, General Electric, GE. Yep. You know how tough he was. Absolutely. Um, and I had about thirty plus that game, and from that from that game on, like Nike won. I guess they uh, they stole me, and they they wanted me to play in like all the other tournaments with, with them. But uh, mm-hmm. that was what put me on. You know, when I when I played up against Junie, and I held my own. Right. So now you mentioned that you did one year uh, in high school, one year, one year in JUCO in Southern Hi- um, Idaho, and then you're yep. you end up in Fordham. Yep. So your your home and everything. Uh, what was the what was the road to Fordham like, and then what was the Fordham experience like? You know, this, this I'm not. You know what? This is this will be a first for your for your uh, podcast, just for you. <laughs> All right. No, because a lot of people don't don't know the the journey from high school to junior college and from junior college to Fordham. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, they just know about my one year high school and then yeah, I did some JUCO and then I was at Fordham and I did one year at Fordham, but they don't know why I left. You know my uh, my junior college, mm-hmm. and this is just for you, not just for you, but first on your show. Okay. Um, I don't talk about this much, but it, it, it boggles my mind. You know, every time I think about it, you know, I got kicked off my team in junior college for being the best player on the team. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah. You, you can't. You. It, it's hard to believe. I got kicked you, off my team in junior best. college for being the best player on the team, and I and I tell you why. Cause my 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 uh, I went to CSI College in Southern Idaho, mm-hmm. and uh, there was about let's just say let's just say that it was thirteen players on a team, and out of those thirteen players, nine of them was from California. Okay, and and 
there was two from New York. So, and the rest for, was, uh, you know, from various other uh, uh, states. But mm. nine of those guys from Cali, you know, this was back, you know, I don't know if it, it held any water back then, but when I was in college, junior college, this was back in the 90s, this is when that, that Biggie and Tupac thing was going on. Okay. East versus, East versus West, you know, rivalry going on. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of jealousy um, that went on while I was out there. And um, a lot of those guys, you know, the nine guys from California, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't appreciate, you know, they didn't appreciate me. And they, they caused a lot of, you know, ruckus on the team because I was there. So the coach, you know, kicked me off the team because, you know, nine, nine players versus one player, uh, they, they just, he, he, he felt like he needed to preserve the other nine guys or he would have lost his program. Wow. That's crazy to hear that. You, you were the best player, and then the coach was like, no, nah, we can't have you here. I, I, I got to keep these nine to to make them happy and let my best player go, basically. Yes, yes, sir. Wow. Well, that's the first time I ever heard that. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't tell that to everybody. I don't tell that story to anybody. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then that ultimately led you to choose Fordham, right? Yeah, I was being uh, recruited by. Uh, well, actually, I, I, I don't know. You remember Rodney Parker? Yeah, the guru, New York City basketball guru, Rodney Parker. No relation. Mm. You know, uh, since the day I met him, since I was sixteen, he he uh, put me on the path to make it to the NBA. Like he had a set path for me, all set for me to just follow. If I followed each one of his steps, I was gonna make it to the NBA. So God rest his soul. But uh, a lot of things that I, a lot of the opportunities that I got was because of him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he saw something in me, and every every uh, situation I got to, you know, I took advantage and I did what I had to do. And the NBA was just my it was my uh, destination. Right. But uh, at the time, he you know he knew he he uh, was fr- close friends with a guy by the name of um, oh man, he's gonna kill me, Coach Brown. Mm-hmm. Coach Brown. Uh, his name is on the tip of my tongue, man. He, he was a coach at Fordham, Coach Brown. And uh, at the time, Bob Hill was the head coach. Right. And the only reason why I decided to even go to Fordham was because Bob Hill had coached in the NBA for 15 years mm-hmm. prior to coaching uh, Fordham. And I was like, you know, who better to put me, prepare me for the NBA besides an ex-NBA coach? True. Very true. You then, know, you so know, that's why I decided for them. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, some people who are who are from a, a certain state or city, they they want to go somewhere else. So if if you're from New York, they want they want to go to school in California or in Florida or whatever. And then someone like you who um, is playing now in New York City, when you're from New York City, was that? Did you ever think about that being a challenge where, you know, you got your friends there, yo, you know, can I come to a game and this and that, and then you have to, really, like, you feel like there was the pressure to perform in front of your, your, your hometown crowd, or was that never on your mind? No, when I was in college, I was never on my mind. I was, uh, it wasn't about uh, me being, you know, uh, having the pressure of performing when I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was different. It was a, it was the difference once I got to the NBA and I was playing in Madison Square Garden for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had 40 of my, my family members there. Then I had friends and family that I didn't know that, that were there. Um, 
So, you know, I remember I remember that feeling of being anxious uh, and wanting to perform well and, you know, not, you know, uh, just represent my, my city, you know, well. Mm-hmm. But when I was in college, man, I, I was I, it was it was just all the way. Just I was loose. Right. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, man, I, I think, you know, anybody who whether you're from New York or not. Just playing in the garden is it, it, a different surreal feeling. Whether you're playing, performing, doesn't matter. It just when you get in that building, and I'm not saying that because I am from New York and native New Yorker, but just being in that building, it, it, it's the best arena in the world. Um, some of the best people have played there, performed there. The, you know, the best performances have happened there. So I would say, you know what? If if that was me playing in high school or college or NBA and they tell me you got to play at the garden, man, I, I'll be, I'll be, you know, nervous and anxious and everything. So I, I kind of agree with, with what you said. Yeah. It's something prestigious about playing in the garden, mm-hmm. you know, being from the city, you know, growing up here and, um, knowing that the garden, like I like really idolizing Madison Square Garden as a basketball player growing up, like, yo, I want to get there and play there one day. Mm. I want to get to the NBA, play on that stage one day. And then to finally get it, it's just like, oh my God, I'm here. You know, just right. years and years of, you know, hard work, dedication, perseverance, uh, sacrifice, obedience put in over the years. You finally get there. Now it's just like, I'm it was a, it's a surreal moment. Right. So you, you, you mentioned Bob Hill. And you know what? For your career, you play for some of the most prolific uh, coaches out there, like Phil Jackson and Pat Riley and, and um, Larry, Brown. Larry Brown, Bob Hill. So you start with Bob Hill. He's the former coach, um, I believe, with San Antonio. And yeah. so how was, how was he compared to a Larry Brown, to a Phil, and to a Pat Riley? You know what? I really don't remember uh, his coaching style. Um, I really don't uh, have any negative or positive words to say about, you know, uh, my relationship with um, Bob Hill because of, uh, you know, some of the things that happened, you Mm -hmm. know, during a draft that, uh, you know, just, you know, he didn't have favorable words for when I was leaving his program. So I don't I don't have much to say about, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Hill. But I did play for some great coaches in the NBA. no, I'm going to start with uh, Larry Brown, you know, who I agree with. Allen Iverson is a tough coach to play for. You know, um, for me, I, I feel like he overcoaches. Um, and I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing. No, but but for me as a player, it's, uh, mm. it was nerve-wracking. Right. Because, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you remember his coaching style, he's a, he's a screamer. Mm-hmm. You know, every play, uh, every play, offense, defense, transition, He's screaming. Listen, he's screaming, and it's almost like it's, you know, nervous energy. Yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a comfortable environment to play in, as opposed, you know, on the flip side, when I got to L.A. and I played for Phil Jackson, this guy's the smoothest guy in the world. <laughs> this guy, you know, is, uh, you know, uh, he, he's, he's not, he doesn't overcoach. He's more of a motivator. Like, he... He, he, he allows his players to play basketball. He allows his players to go out there and be comfortable, make mistakes, and mm-hmm. then learn from them and, and play through them. And, you know, he's not one to over, you know, analyze, teach, critique. You know, he, he treats his players like professionals. Right. You know, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that Larry Brown didn't, 
I'm just saying it's a different. It's, it's, he's a different. It's a different way that he went about it. Yeah. You know, as a professional, it's not like college. Right? As a professional, if you're not out there performing, you know, you know your job, then you could get replaced. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so it's on you to you know as a professional go out there and play your best, practice hard. You know, put in the work in the in the off season, put in your work during practice uh, during the season and practice, so that when you get on the floor. You know, during games, you can you you perform at a high level. Now, if you're not performing at a high level, then that's on you as a professional. He's not going to be screaming at you. He's just going to, you know what? You ain't you don't deserve to be playing, so he's not going to put you out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of environment, you know, allowed me to kind of like flourish, right? And you know, just uh, not really adapt because it just it just allowed me to grow as a player comfortably. As opposed to you know being afraid of making mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I liked about Phil Jackson, he said this in the in the preseason, uh, in the first year I was there, he was like, you know, um, if you uh, the game is about mistakes, but you know, a mistake the first time you do it is a mistake. The second time you do it is not a mistake. You know, so if you don't learn from it the first time, then it's a habit. So he was he, he you know so when he's coaching and you go out there and say you turn a ball over on a, on a play. You know he's not the, he's not he's not one of those coaches that that's going to jump up and you know call for a stub and uh, embarrass you in that way because everybody knows you just turn the ball over. So if you come out the next play, everybody knows that you're coming out because you just turn the ball over. Yeah. He, you know, so he 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 his philosophy was you know if you come down and you turn the ball over, he's going to allow you to try to make it up. You know whether it's a get a steal on defense, get a block shot, rebound, hustle points, whatever. And if you don't make it up in two or three plays, then he's going to, you know, he'll sub you out two or three plays later and then tell you what, you, you know, what you did wrong or, you know, and uh, coach you in that way. Mm. Yeah, you know what, because Phil Phil might be the only coach or maybe one of the, the very few that, you know, the other team can, can, can go on like a 15-0 run. And then, you know, most coaches would call a timeout, kind of settle down. Yeah. He's like, no, you got to you got to figure figure this shit out on your own. Yeah, yeah, he he's he's he let us play through things. Mm-hmm. He's not he he he's he's a firm believer in allowing the players on the court to figure it out. Right. You no, know, because again, we're professionals. At this level, we should know how to play basketball. True. At this level, we should know be able to to think and tie our own shoes. Uh, if 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 just a, that's just an analogy. Mm. You no, know, to be able to go out there and tie our own shoes. You know, that's what I liked about Phil Jackson. Um, a lot of coaches, like you said would get raz, raz, uh, rattled and call a quick timeout yeah. and do a lot of screaming. And nah, he, he's like, you know what? Figure it out. 15 <laughs> run. Figure it out. Figure it out. Right. Um, I do want to go back a little bit. Now, you declare for the draft in 02. Uh, one, yes, one year in Fordham. And you go undrafted. But then you still manage to, manage to find your way on the Cavaliers a roster for the 0203 season. So, you know, going undrafted, I, I pretty know that that did not, you know, set you back. I know you probably, you know, you work hard in training camps or whatever. So, going undrafted and then getting looked at by the Cavaliers, how was that whole experience and feeling like? Uh, Nerve wracking. You know, uh, going back to the draft, I mean, I was told. By three NBA teams that I was going to be, you know, drafted uh, before 14. Like, I had three teams that had to, you know, be, have picks between one and uh, 14. 
um, that said that it was going to, you know, if I was there, they was going to uh, pick me up. That was the only reason why I decided to keep my name in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you know, prior, um, I didn't, I didn't, I don't have anything really to say uh, about my coach, Bob Hill, because he said some unfavorable things to coaches uh, d- um, during a draft when I decided to keep my name in a draft. Mm. Um, so he, you know, it was just a, a, a blemish that, you know, was on my record before I even got, you know, to the NBA. Um, but uh, that was a hard night for me. But again, um, I'm, I, I've always been an underdog. I've always had to play from uh, pause from underneath, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the bottom. Um, so I, I just, I, it was nothing new to me. Like I was, I, I wasn't expecting the, the the red carpet to be rolled out for me. I've always had to prove myself. So it was just an, an, another, you know, prove myself moment. And I, you know, I've, I've accepted every prove myself moment, and I looked it in the face, and I, you know, I overcame it. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I went undrafted, and you know the game plan. You know, me and my agent sat down, and you know we looked at all the NBA rosters. You know, um, it became a chess move. Now, it became a chess move. You know, uh, we looked at all the NBA rosters, and we looked at uh, all the um, the players on the rosters that had guaranteed contracts and what openings they had, and what teams didn't have. You know, point guards and what teams had. Uh, a starting point guard and a backup point guard, but no third point guard. And mm. we've, we, you know, it, it, it was like, again, it was a chess move. And I ended up playing with the Orlando Magic during the summer league that summer. I played in three summer leagues that summer, actually, mm. three out of four. You know, it was the Orlando Summer League, the Boston Summer League, and I play. I went out to uh, the Vegas. I uh, know, excuse me, Utah. Okay. Utah Summer League. And I played. I played two summer leagues with Orlando Magic, and I believe I played one with the uh, Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers. And then I got invited to Veterans Camp, and even there, you know, they they have maybe five. Let's just say they have five, the max five roster spots open. Right. And there's a hundred guys uh, jockeying for that five, for one of those five spots. Mm-hmm. And my attitude was there's no one in here is going to beat me out for this spot. Mm-hmm. Not one. That was my attitude going in. It wasn't cocky. It was just, you know, I'll, I'm going to do everything I need to do to make this team. That was my attitude. I wasn't going to give them a reason to say, no, this is not, this, 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 it can't happen for you. I, it, was, it wasn't in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the the, the pre LeBron era. You know, LeBron comes after you. You're you're in the Cavalier era with with the black, the white, the orange, and sky blue uniforms before they, before they changed the whole thing when LeBron got there. Um, yeah. You know, your you, your coach is John Lucas. The uh, John Lucas, right? Let me, let me get it right. Yes, John sir. Lucas. Yes, sir. And then replaced by Keith Smart. So we're going way yeah. back now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just to have fun. Do you recall? You don't have to. T- you don't have to say everybody, but do you recall majority of the roster you play with in your first year in no. the NBA with the, with the Cavs? Of, of, of course, of okay. course, I can give you the whole the whole roster right, right now. I'm I mean, gonna, it might be right the now. only. It might be the only team I could give you the whole roster because uh, <laughs> you know my rookie season was was probably. I uh, know I played a lot in LA, but the, my rookie season holds a a, a, a real special place nice. in my heart. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, from the top down, from the top down, I played with Z- Z- Big Z, Zadruna Sagowskis. Okay. I played with, uh, uh, was it Herb Williams? Herb Williams. 
power forward. You know, uh, I'm low. Uh, I'm lucky. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, not Herb Williams. Uh, Herb Williams was at New York Knicks. Right. Um, um, he he had a funky name. I'll come back to it. <laughs> uh, I'll come back to it. Uh, Tyrone Hill. Tyrone Hill. Tyrone Hill. He on the list? Tyrone of course Hill. He on the list. No, he is not on this list. Yes, he, he better be. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I don't know what list you got. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. Unless unless they're lying to me, I don't see Tyrone Hill on no, this no. roster. You, if, if you know what, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: is uh, if Andre Miller's on that list, you were looking at the wrong list. Andre Miller is not on this roster. Uh, okay, so the roster. I'm telling. I'm gonna that Wikipedia is wrong. I'm gonna tell okay. you. The, I'm going to tell you the roster because Tyrone Hill and Bimbo Coles were my two veterans on my team. Okay, I'm going to go to a different Duh. site right now and, and check it. Maybe I'm wrong. All right, all right. Let's see. Hold up. Yeah, because you got so many wrong, so right off the back. So I have to make nah, sure. Nah. Nah, 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 nah. I got, I got Herb Williams wrong because, you know, her, the, the dude that I'm thinking about, you know, he, he, he had a funky name just like that too. I forget. But I, I, I guess I... You know, I can start from the bottom. I can start from the rookies I play with. Carlos Boozer, DeWalt Wagner. I can start out with Darius Miles, Ricky Davis. Mm-hmm. I can start out with Jermaine Jones. I can start out with Mil Palacio. I can start out with, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I said I said Bimbo Coles already. I said yep. Tyrone Hill. Yeah. I said Big Z. Big Z. Big Z. Yeah, uh, uh, Agaskis, yeah. Yeah, I play with Chris Mim. Okay, you got that one. Uh, <laughs> that's the only one I got. <laughs> no, you, no, you. I, I found, I found different roster, different sites. So you've been getting pretty much everybody on this roster. Uh, I think, I think you were trying to say it's a gonna job, right? No, 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 no. But there, there's a, there was another one. But Sagana Job was a uh, was uh, the African dude. Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, then later played with the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Uh, uh, I think you're missing one, two. I think you're missing. Two. Okay, let me let me see. I'm trying to. I said I got the I got the rookies. Uh, uh, Carlos Boozer, DeWall Wagner, Ricky Davis, Darius Miles, Jermaine Jones. Yep. Yeah. I got Bimbo Cole. I got Mil Palacio. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Tyrone Hill. I got Sagana Jop. I got Big Z. I got um, yeah. You yo, that what's that? What's that? Uh, big dude's name. He had a funky name like Herb Williams. He never played. He he. he and he was getting paid like I don't even want to put his business out there. <laughs> um, you got two left. Um, I'm gonna help you out. A guy named Michael Stewart. Michael Stewart. Yep. Okay. I wasn't gonna get that one. And the last one was Tier Brown. Tier. Oh no, he was a he he was a, a pickup from the uh, from the, uh, the the CBA mm-hmm. at that time. So he he came like uh, towards the end of the season. And you know what's so funny is that when you take this roster, and people might go back, you know, you know who was on the Cavaliers in o two o three, and then like when they leave their roster and go to different teams and go you know above and beyond, Agaskis is a, a, a an all star, Carlos Boozer multiple time all star, Ricky Davis still one of you know a lot of people favorites uh, shooting guard out there because of the, <laughs> the shit he was doing, um, Tricky Ricky, uh, Darius Miles. Pretty good career with the Clippers. Now doing a podcast with with, uh, with with Q Rich. So a lot of people from this uh, Tyrone Hill made an All Star team. So you know, it, it just that's how it works. I mean, when you when you come on a roster and you're trying to just trying to put things together, 
but eventually when they separate, they tend to do better than the original roster. But that's that's how shit works. Yeah. I mean, uh, basketball is all about chemistry. Mm-hmm, right. You know, it's about you know you can't put five all stars on the, on a, on the same team and think that you're gonna have a good team. Mm-hmm. On paper, on paper, it might look good, but you know, it doesn't mean that they're gonna be able to gel on a basketball court. Right. And, you know, and that's what that's what made made a lot of teams like the you know San Antonio Spurs good. That's what made you know that's that's what makes uh, uh made uh, the Golden State Warriors good. That's what made teams like. Um, like the uh, the the championship team, Detroit Pistons, good because there wasn't, yeah, you know, their, their chemistry. You know, they played well with each other. You know, there wasn't there wasn't anybody competing with each other. There wasn't anybody, you know, two. There wasn't two dominant players on the, on the court that was, you know, competing for the for the basketball. It, you know, everything just flowed when you have right. when you have five, six, seven guys who you know know how to play basketball and, and who are um, selfless. It, the, the game of basketball is easy, mm. and it's fun. It's fun to watch those teams. It's fun. To, it's fun to watch those those kind of teams like really, really, really play. Right. And then from this point on, you go, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You go to Detroit, but did you have a stop somewhere between Cavaliers and, and Detroit overseas or, or anything like that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. So the season after uh, my uh, Clippers. Uh, not Clippers. My calf season, mm-hmm. I went out and tried out for the uh, Atlanta Hawks. Okay, and um, I got cut the last cut um, in preseason due to uh, a player getting injured, and they signed him. Uh, so I, I played. I uh, played about eight games. I want to say, or maybe six games with the Idaho Stampede and the CBA at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "This is for the birds." So I went overseas and I played with the uh, I played in Greece and that's when I won a championship in Greece with uh, with the team Aris mm-hmm. and then I came back the year after that and I played for the Detroit Pistons and the Phoenix Suns. Nice. And then, how long did you stay with Phoenix? Uh, I got two call ups with the Phoenix. Okay. Two call ups. Okay. And then after that, you have another overseas stint, or now you're a free agent. No, now I'm a free agent, and now this is when I, you know, play with the L.A. Lakers. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now I'm like, you know, we we all at home, like wondering where is going to go next, and lo and behold, you, you become a a L.A. Laker. You know, a New York guy playing with L.A. Um, before we go deeper into that, I just want to ask you. You know, how did you end up in L.A.? I know you're a free agent, but then was it more like your agent are, is calling the Lakers or did the Lakers say, you know what, we can use a guy like Smush, you know, we have some backcourt, whatever that we want to use him for. How did you get in there end up? Okay, so um, summer league uh, tournaments. So, I, you know, of course, I come back from, you know, the Phoenix Suns season or the, the Detroit Phoenix uh, season and I'm a free agent. So now I'm playing NBA Summer League. I believe uh, I was playing with the Toronto Raptors at the time, and uh, again in the Utah and the Vegas uh, Summer League. Actually, yeah, no, I start, I started out playing with the Toronto Raptors in the uh, Utah Summer League, okay. and then I ended up playing for LA in the LA Summer League that 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 summer. So I played in two summer leagues. 
Um, I guess, you know, just, you know, d- during the summer league season, uh, it's like a stage. It's, you know, that's where you hone your, that's when you uh, sh- showcase what you can do out there on the court. Mm-hmm. And just because you're playing on one summer league team doesn't mean that that's the, that's, that's the team or the, uh, or the, um, um, veterans camp that you're going to end up at. Right. So I, you know, I, I played well with the Toronto Raptors, um, uh, during summer league and, you know, I, I, I left or the, the Utah summer league ended and LA brought me out to play with them out in, uh, LA during that summer league. And, uh, they, they invited me to the vet camp. And again, this was, uh, I was looking at their roster spot and they had no point guards on the, on the, um, on their roster. Mm. So it made sense. I'm like, listen, if they ain't got no point guards on the roster, I, I think I can make, you know, one out of three spots. Right. You know, because you, you're supposed to have at least three point guards on your team or on the roster. True. Or they had, excuse me, they had one. They had one. You know, they had Sasha Vujicic. Okay. At wow. the time. Wow, that's, that's a throwback name. <laughs> yeah, Sasha Sasha Vujicic was there was their mm. only point guard. And I guess you felt like if I had to compete with Sasha Vujicic, I I have a you know it's, it's going to be tough, but I have a pretty good shot of getting making a team, right? Listen, I'm gonna keep it real with you. There was no way in hell Sasha Vujicic was going to keep me from getting a, getting a spot on the team. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> I hear I'm, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just. Yeah, but the thing is, you're supposed to any any NBA player is supposed to feel like that. They they can't go into a camp or whatever and say, you know what, that guy's better than me, or you know what, even that if that were to be true, you got to believe in yourself. You know what, he might be better than me, but he will be better than me today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what? He's the only point guard that's on the roster or whatever. Then you come on board. So now is it is it the fact that you or him are fighting? Just to make the team, or are you fighting for a starting spot? What are you two guys are, are, are no, fighting for? No, uh, uh, again, I was fighting to make the team. I wasn't okay. fighting against him for anything. Like mm-hmm. he already had, uh, he was already signed on the team. Uh, like he, okay. he he already had a guaranteed guaranteed contract, but he was the only guard there that had a guaranteed contract other than Kobe. Mm-hmm. And you know, Kobe wasn't. You know, I mean, no one's really competing for Kobe's spot, right? So, um, so I was just fighting to get on the team mm-hmm. and I wasn't even, I didn't, I wasn't even, I wasn't even, I wasn't even thinking about st- a starting spot. I earned that. Like I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't looking for it. And a lot of people don't understand that I was a walk on on LA. They didn't pay me a million dollars to be the starting point guard on, on LA. Mm-hmm. I fought for that. I, 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 I worked and I, it, that, that starting spot was given to me. A lot of fans who don't know Smush Parker or the, or the story, they think that L.A. gave me millions of dollars to be their starting point guard. When, you know, their, their starting point guard in their eyes was Sasha Vujicic mm-hmm. and Aaron McKee at the time. They, 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 they paid for Aaron McKee to come there from, uh, from Philly. Right. So when, when, when these L.A., these so-called L.A. fans, you know, uh, know, uh, you know bad mouth for me because of Kobe, uh, a lot of the things that Kobe said about me, they don't understand. Like I wasn't supposed to be be the starting point guard. I wasn't even supposed to be on the on the roster. I'm a, I was a walk on that beat your starting point guards out. Mm-hmm. So I overachieved when they think I underachieved. 
You're right. You're right about that. So now, when you are the starting uh, point guard, uh, who, who's telling you? The GM, Phil Jackson? Who Who's telling you? Yeah, this 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 is one of the coolest stories that I tell uh-huh. um, about my LA experience. Um, so again, I'm working. I'm working. It's preseason. I'm working my butt off. I'm working hard. I'm practicing hard. I'm putting in overtime work mm-hmm. before practice, after practice. I'm playing. I'm I'm like I'm playing hard in the games. So I'm I'm thinking I'm like everything I'm fighting for. Like nothing was given to me. No one's talking to me. Like none of the coaches are like, hey, good job. You're doing this work or this nothing. So I'm in the black. I don't know nothing. And preseason ends, and I don't get a I don't get a cut notice. I don't get a. Uh, 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 um, uh, call into the office saying, you know, we're gonna we're gonna keep you, we're gonna release you. I, I just I'm just there, right? And and my agent's like, listen, if you're just there, just go. Like, if they they didn't call me and say that they're releasing you or anything, so you know, um, you know, uh, I had a contract that you know, of course, they once you once you get to a, a past a certain point in the preseason, they give you a contract that your contract and my contract was wasn't guaranteed. Until January fifteenth, mm-hmm. like that was the the, the 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 deadline or the cutoff date, so they could release me at any time before right. January fifteenth. So that meant, you know, I could I could come in one day at practice and they'd be like, "Listen, you know, Smush, thanks for uh, coming, thanks for working out with us, thanks for your time, but uh, we're gonna let you go at any point." Mm-hmm. So so rewind. It's the first game of the season. I'm still on the roster. First game of the season now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Jackson didn't never like, never talked about starting five. Never, you know, said who the starters were. Nothing at any point. Like the, the starting five in preseason always changed. And I never started during the preseason, which is a crazy thing. I didn't start no games during the preseason. Mm-hmm. First, first game of the season, and like I said, this is one of the coolest stories that I, I tell about my uh, my uh, my uh, um, my LA experience. Um, you know, Phil Jackson, the whole season, uh, the whole preseason, uh, called me everything but smush. Call me smudge, call me smuck, <laughs> call me smash, call me snook, call me stuck. He called me every name in a book everything. but smush. Never call me smush. It was always some, you no know, other, you know, S name. Mm-hmm. And the first game of the season, you know, uh, he walks into the locker room, we're getting ready. You know, everybody's pumped or whatever. He, he says some, um, and then he looks at me. and says, "Oh yeah, Smush, get ready, you're starting." And walks out of the walks out of the locker room. Wow! And that's all he said to me. And that was and, he, and that was the first time he said my name correctly. And that was that was the only thing he said to me that he was like, "Oh yeah, and Smush, you're starting. Get ready." And wow. I, up until that point, I didn't know I was a starter. Up until that point, I didn't know I was starting. Up until that point, I didn't know if I was you know coming or going. Nothing. So you, so you ain't. I mean, did you feel like he was like fucking with you, or did you, was he? Did you feel like, oh man, this this is this is like legit? When uh, when he said I was starting, yeah. No, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't think he. No, trust me. Uh, Phil Jackson is not somebody who who's a, who who does who jokes around. Right. Like if you know Phil Jackson, he's a very stern, mm-hmm. serious person. Never right. cracks a smile. No, just he's very even kill. So I knew he wasn't joking when he said it. Right. So like when he tells you, I mean, one, who are you playing? And two, how much time do you 
you know, have like how much how much time before the game started did you have to like really get that mindset going? Like, holy shit, I'm I'm starting tonight. Listen again, you're a professional. You're supposed to be mentally ready, physically ready, yeah, prepared right. for for the game. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the morning, the, the 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 night before. True. You know, that's that's one thing as a professional. Like, you have to be mentally ready for the game the night before. You have to start preparing for that game the night before. It's not, oh, I'm gonna wake up today and. I'm gonna, you know, eh, I'm gonna have breakfast at this time, and I'm gonna eat at this time, and then show up to the game and expect to play well. No, it's, it's you no know, mentally you gotta be, you know, locked in from mm-hmm. the night before, thinking about the game, thinking right. about the game plan, the uh, scouting report, thinking about who you playing against, mentally getting yourself ready for, you know, the 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 matchups, you know, what our game plan is against their defense. Right. No, it. It's it's a it's a it's a process. Like you really gotta lock yourself in because at that level, everybody can play basketball, and and, yeah. and one mistake can cost you the game. True, so, one mistake can cost you a game. So who did you end up playing that night? I forget who we played. I don't know, <laughs> but I, I did, no, I, honestly, I don't remember who we played. But I do, uh, I do remember. Like I was, this is when I was at the top of my top notch. Top of the top of my game, mm-hmm. I was in, in in the best shape of my life. Right, like mentally, I was in the best shape of my life. Physically, I was in the best shape of my. I was running circles around everybody, guarding people ninety four feet the forty eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I you know the first. I remember the first six games of my LA career. I averaged twenty five points a game. Damn, the first six, first six games, and mm-hmm. then and then you know. Uh, the people started hating, and I stopped getting the ball. I don't want to. I don't want to name names, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to name names. Right, but, but you know, I would say in this time we're talking, we're talking oh, oh five, oh six. So the point guard landscape is 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 pretty good. I, I'm trying to recall all of them, but I know Steve Nash is out there. You got AI out there. Um, so like, in, and then you're you're in the Western Conference, and everybody usually says you know the Western Conference is the more tough, more tougher conference um, in the NBA. So you're getting these guys four four times a year. You're getting Nash. You're getting well, not obviously. I think he was probably in Denver or Detroit, but um, just just the competition itself alone Listen, at, at the point guard was tough. Every night, every I, night. I, I couldn't take a day off. Mm-hmm. Every night there was somebody uh, also a point guard I was going up against. Every night there was no night that I could be like, you know what, I'm gonna just chill tonight. Or I, if I had that mindset, I would have, I would have been, I would have gotten embarrassed. You know, it wasn't the game back then when I in my era wasn't as guard oriented as it is now, mm-hmm. but it, it was still guard heavy. Like right now, you know, teams are playing with three point three guards on the, three or four guards on the on the floor at the same time. Yeah, back then. It was just uh, one, maybe one point guard in the shooting. Like they had true, like true position players back when I played. But the point guards that I was going up against were nothing to play with. Mm-hmm. I had the Mike Bibbies in Sacramento. I had the Chauncey Billups in Detroit. Damn. I had the Steve Nash in Phoenix. I had Baron Davis mm-hmm. in the Golden State. Wow. And you know, I tell people all the time, BD was no joke back when I was when I was in the league. Mm-hmm. No joke. Baron Davis is no. By far, my toughest matchup that I had to guard up against. A healthy BD. Yeah, BD was tough, man. I think BD still gets underrated at times. I know he's the, he's the all-star and everything, but still gets underrated and not and not talked about enough. 
not 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 nearly enough. Yeah, not nearly enough. Wow, B. You know, I could I could go on. Uh, I could yeah. go on for you know the all the rocks, <laughs> all the guards I had to match up. Even a, even the smallest guard at the, at the time, and uh, and and um, Earl Boykins would have been a, a, a problem today. Yeah, like Earl Boykins. Earl Boykins was was way before his time. Mm-hmm. If Earl Boykins played in this league now, this soft league right now, he'd average forty points a game, easy, mm-hmm. easy. Yeah, Earl, Earl and those Boykins, and, yeah. and those listening right now, Google Earl Boykins and see and see and see what That's what right. problem he was. Because a lot of a lot of people don't know about Earl Boykins. Yeah, Google Earl Boykins was dominating. In a game when the game was still a big man's game, mm-hmm. he was he was coming off the bench and, and averaging 20, 25 points a game off the bench. Yeah, light, light. And, and, he, and he was and he wasn't and he wasn't a three point shooter. Mm-hmm. He no, could shoot not. the three, but he was getting to that basket. He was challenging all the trees down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, those, those guards, man. Uh, I I think I even think B Roy was around at the time. A healthy, yes, healthy B Roy. So many guards I, I, I'm forgetting, but yes, sir. just just at the point guard spot alone, every night, night in, night out, 82 games, playoffs. It's not easy. Um, Tony Parker. Oh Jesus Christ! Let's not forget Tony Parker. <laughs> Come on, man. Tony Parker. Man. Oh my God! I think he was probably Listen, the most and, annoying and guy. I, and, and I took and I and I took those per, those uh, I took that I took that matchup personally. Mm. Also. Right, Tony Parker. Good. Have the yeah. nerve to have my 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 last name. <laughs> um, you know, playing for Phil. Uh, you, you know, people in New York. You know, when, when they hear Phil Jackson, it's, it's like a bad rap. You know, when he came here and tried to change the Knicks, and it just didn't work. But now, back in the day with the Lakers, um, how was it playing for him? What what was like a big takeaway? That you took uh, from him during his uh, his coaching time with you was there anything like odd about Phil and how he would coach you guys? I mean, uh, one thing that was different again, like he's not an X's and O's guy. He's not, you know, one of those guys that's uh, gonna you know uh, overcoach. Uh, he's not a guy that has like a million plays. You know, he allowed his players to to play the game of basketball and to make plays. And again, it also helped that. You know, he had the system triangle offense was a system. Like yeah. you really didn't need a bunch of plays in that. Um, you pass where you pass the ball to a certain spot or certain spots that were open, and wherever the ball went dictated your next move. So what, it wasn't that. You know, uh, he wasn't an X's and O's guy, but he had he was like I said, he was a motivator. So one of the things that it took me. Um, not by surprise, but just noticed that was different was like during the film sessions. Um, you know, you, you think, you know, we're going into film to watch film on a game and our our defensive scheme or what we're going to do offensively mm-hmm. against certain matchups. But before, you know, our uh, film session, he would have us meditate, you know, to clear our minds so that we could focus. And, uh, you know, that was something that was different. Um than a lot of the coaches that I coach uh, played for, like he, he actually, um, he actually was, um, he got a chance to know each one of our personalities, mm-hmm. and he would recommend and suggest certain books uh, that we should read to kind of you know help us you know I guess with how we approach life. Like he was you know all about enhancing you know life and being 
you know, more uh, in tune with, you know, ourselves and, you know, people and being able to uh, just get mentally ready and focus for, you know, the games and things, things of that nature. Right. Um, I thought for me, what, what was also cool was the fact that you also got a chance to play with Lamar Odom, who was also a New York, yes, a New York native. And um, how was it like playing with him? And did you and him prior to the Lakers tenure ever like play with each other? Whether it's whatever, like how was that rapport like? Now, uh, one of my best relationships on the LA Lakers was with with uh, was with L O. Mm. Uh, when I first got to LA, when I first signed with the Lakers, you know, he immediately uh, took me under his wing. You know, uh, brought me in his family. You know, um, made sure that I was I was straight. You know, getting around, navigating LA. You know, two New York City guys. You know, him being a vet. You know, definitely took me under his wing. Um, I'll, I'll forever. You know. Uh, not be in debt to him, but, you know, just appreciate him on that level because, you know, not everybody does that. Uh, but he definitely, like I said, took me under his wing. You know, his family was my family. Um, but, yeah, it was cool. Like, me and him, before before, before L.A., like, me and him never, I never met L.O. before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never, we never played in the same circuit here in L.A., uh, New York. You know, he's, he, I think he's about, five four or five years older than me so he, his circuit in here in new york was way before my circuit okay. was here in new york um i believe yeah when i was in high school or even junior high school i think he was already in like rhode island or something yeah um and then you coming from brooklyn new york and you living at that time living in la I got to ask you, man, uh, how was it living in L.A.? I know it was different in New York. It's, it's probably the same speed or probably mo- more chill and relaxed, uh, hotter, sunnier. But what was um, what do you take away from you, your time living in, in uh, L.A.? I love L.A. people. <laughs> no, it, no it, it's just different. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's super different. And, right. and not that 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 not and not that I'm not into different. You know, I, I love, you know, experiencing new ways of life and new cultures and uh, new things, but L.A. was way too slow for me. Um, it, was, it was boring for me, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, growing up in New York City, there's, even when you're not doing nothing in New York, you're doing something because there's always something going on here in New York. Like, you could just go for a walk around a block in New York and be entertained. Right. In L.A., if you ain't doing nothing in L.A., like, you ain't doing nothing in L.A., like there's nowhere to, to walk to. There's nowhere to go, um, and maybe I'm spoiled because New York City is a city of convenience, so everything is accessible. Right yep. You know, uh, you know, anything that you need is uh, within a five block radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything in LA was so spread out. You know, you have to drive two hours to get to a supermarket, and then two two more hours in the opposite direction to go to the movies, and then another two hours to go shopping. It was just, it was, it was, it was super spread out. And then you have to sit in three hours of traffic just to go 15, uh, go 15 minutes up the street. Mm. It's, you know, so I didn't like it. I didn't like LA at all. <laughs> so for the record, Brooklyn over LA. Of course. All day, every day. <laughs> um, I know you got to run, but I, I want to end off or make my way to end off with this. Um, 
You had that 06 playoff run against the Phoenix Suns, and we all know Kobe makes a shot. But I think a lot of people tend to, to, to not realize or tend to forget that, you know, the plays leading up to that led to Kobe making that shot. And what I mean is that, you know, you make you make a big three to kind of keep the game in close, like, you know, probably down one, down two, so you keep it in close. And then there's the steal against uh, Steve Nash. So now this is Damn game the, the current the current MVP. You this is game four. You you guys are already up to one against uh, the number two seed Phoenix. You're number seven. So now you're at home. You get the key steal, which is very very important that people fail to realize. Then Kobe gets the ball. He does what Kobe does. He makes a shot. He it goes in. You guys up you guys are up three one now it's celebrating. But eventually you guys lose the series four three. But I wanna point out that without your shot and without the steal happening, I don't think the Kobe shot even happens. So I just wanna point that out to you real quick. Yeah, well I, I appreciate you acknowledging that a lot of people, like you said, overlook those plays. And as a matter of fact, they don't overlook the steal because you can't you can't get to Kobe's uh, game winner. You can't get the uh, Kobe's uh, overtime uh, shot to go in overtime without the steal. Yeah, that you know. But they do. They do uh, all the time. Overlook that three point play. They even put us into a, a striking distance to put right. us in the overtime. You know, um, uh, which is. I mean, again, it, it is what it is. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in. Like I said, I never played the game to 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 be famous. Mm-hmm. I always, I always played to win. I always played the game hard, and uh, again, when people when people do acknowledge it, that it, it's, it's good that it's acknowledged. But mm-hmm. I'm not sour about it. I wish, uh, I wish it got recognized more. I wish I got recognized more for you know what I contributed right. as to you know what I did out there on the basketball court as opposed to you know what you know Kobe and I's uh, Kobe and I's feud was off the uh, court. You know, but you know, people people see what they want to see. People see what Kobe says, and and, and I mean, at the end of the day, it, it, it's I, I guess I, I guess say that it sucks that my legacy is being tarnished by somebody uh, with the the power to you know influence so many people the way he does. But mm. when when people do acknowledge me and uh, acknowledge you know certain things that I did out there in the basketball court. It, it, it's it's, a, it's appreciated, so thank you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I say this before I let you go. I and this might be a little long winded, but I'm kind of, I'm trying to paraphrase everything. So, I, you know, as a fan of you and knowing you personally, you know, we tend to see what's being said or read, you know, online and videos with Kobe said with what you said going back and forth. And now this is maybe we're in 2019. That's maybe 13 years ago, 14 years ago, whatever. So. But people tend to still bring it up, um, even even recently in some articles, and it's like, you know, whatever happened happened between you guys, whether it was on the court or mo- mostly off the court, of just not getting along. Uh, your personality, his personality, maybe just didn't mesh. But um, I, I I would assume you guys tried to keep it professionally on the court to to to, to try to win games, but it's like. Do you guys ever see yourself coming to a, a a moment where you know what? If I saw Kobe Bryant at at a party or in, in the office or anywhere down the street or whatever, 
is it going to be like we we're good that that's past that's back in the day we can move on and do you think you guys or or maybe currently you guys are at that point where listen man is you know we were young back then we're older now we're mature we're, we're at different spaces in in our careers in our lives that we can kind of move on from that well um i would i really do pray that that's the case on both sides i know for me um i definitely moved on uh, mentally from uh from a lot of the uh, hurt and pain and hostility i had and bitterness i had towards you know him and you know some of the things and actions that uh he may have uh, displayed mm-hmm. um uh the couple a couple years back i actually uh, took ownership for a lot of the things that i said and did um i did reach out to him and uh in my letter, I reached out and I said, uh, you know, young mind, young thoughts, young words. No, I'm sorry. You know, that was how I ended the, uh, the conversation or my letter. Um, mm-hmm. I hope he read it. I'm not sure if he has because he, he definitely uh, went out his way to say some, uh, some things afterwards about me negatively, but it's all right. Again, I don't have any ill will. I do, uh, you know, of course, uh, you know, I, I'm... I wish him the best. I, you know, I know he's uh, being he's uh, successful at you know doing whatever he's doing now, uh, you know, movies or whatever, um, coaching. Um, I, but I had to I had to let a lot of that stuff go, go because uh, you know it, it it wasn't just hurting it was it wasn't just hurting him it was hurting me more mm-hmm. uh, harboring those uh, those feelings. So I mean, for me, it's water under the bridge, and I honestly feel like Kobe loves me, man. I feel like every time he does say, you know, anything negative about me um, and uh, my name comes out of his mouth, I feel like he, he really does uh, love me. So that's how I plan to view it. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's my mindset. Um, you know, again, uh, I take ownership for a lot of things that I did um, and didn't do. Uh, my, my time in L.A. and uh, afterwards uh, for the things that I said in the media, um, but um, again, you know, right now I I, I do uh, wish that there, you know there is a meeting at some point or a, a place where we could cross cross work cross each other's path and mm. you know that you know we could shake hands or you know give each other an embrace and say you know you know we're stuck to each other you know as as two grown men who you know ex teammates right. No, I agree, man. I you know I think time heals all wounds. You know, age and get into a different point in your life, uh, in your career, that you kind of go back and reflect and just say, you know what, it, it, it was what it was back then. We're cool now. We can move on and, and stuff like that. So I really hope that one day, uh, deep down to you guys, if you ever cross paths, it just it's all love. Keep it moving and just you know move on from there. Um, the last point I will make to you is that when I did see you referee uh, early in the summertime, there was a, uh, and I think it was kind of cool because he was paying homage, and I, and I think I showed you. And again, this goes into people just you know paying their respect to you or paying homage to you for what you've done in the NBA. Where a guy like Dwayne Wade, you know, he's a multiple-time All-Star, sure-bound Hall of Famer, and then out of nowhere, and I think this is the best thing where you you just get love out of nowhere that he goes on Instagram, and I think I showed you that he said it was yeah. a post of him doing. Um, a split screen, trying to you know split the screens on a play, and he said, "I recall being in college and seeing Smush Parker split screens and seeing how effective it was, and I wanted to master it. So I went to work, and it became a a, 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 a 
signature move of mine. So now he adds a Smush Parker move to his repertoire, <laughs> Dwayne Wade of all people. And I thought uh-huh. that, that was pretty cool that, you know, you get this love from, you know, you're not asking for it. You're not looking for it. It comes out of nowhere. And, and it, it's, it's genuine. And a, guy, and, and a guy like D-Wade to acknowledge that, I thought that, that, that was pretty cool. No, that was definitely pretty cool and out of nowhere, man. I didn't. Uh, um, I I played with D Wade in Miami for a little bit. You know, we didn't. Uh, I wasn't there long enough to develop a friendship with him. So it's not like we talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we. It's not like we've ever talked like personally, like off the court. Mm-hmm. So for him to go out his go out his way and say something like that was uh, was uh, for me. I'm just gonna say astonishing. Because again, I've I've been um, pro, uh, I've been <laughs> uh, so used to you know a guy with that with that kind of authority going and saying negative things about me, and here it is, D Wade, uh, all star, you know, out of nowhere, you know, no one coerced him to say anything right. about me, and you know, here here he is, you know, giving me paying me homage as to a move that he perfected and, and put in his repertoire because. He watched me do it uh, so much in college, mm. and um, it's it's a real story. I mean, it's it's a story that I tell. I, I talk about. You know, I don't talk about it a lot, but you know, when I was at Fordham, we we uh, we we had a, a non-league game against Marquette. We went to Marquette and we got smacked by fifty. Mm. But um, you know, he he said to me. Actually, he said this to me when we was in when I was in Miami. He said, you know, when they was doing game tape, it was in film, and that their whole defense. Their coaching staff and the team, their whole defense was geared to stop me. And they was watching game tape and they was watching, you know, how I was splitting defenders and splitting the uh, mm-hmm. the high screen or high screen of rows. And the coaching staff was like, "Yo, there's no way in hell this skinny dude could be getting to the basket anytime he wants." That's what they were saying. Right. And it was, it was like a, it was something that they laughed about, but that was something that the, that the whole team was like they they were geared to stop me from doing what it is that Smush Parker does. And you know he he um, for him to pay homage again was just uh, was just one of one of the one of the highs of my career. So now, last one um, is much like retired from basketball. Are you trying to get? I, I seen some way you try to get try to get into the big three, but it didn't work out. Is that still on the radar, or is it more like just slowly taking a step back, doing the Smush Parker Lee stuff, doing the referee stuff, and not so much playing on the court? Well, I can still play this game. I can still play at a high level, mm-hmm. um, but mentally, I'm I'm uh, I'm in a different space now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, it, it's funny because I actually find more joy and fulfillment in hosting these basketball cancer clinics, like imparting my knowledge into into these youth than I do with playing the game, which is which is really really uh, strange. Because if you if you would have asked me this five years ago, I would I would have never in a million years I'd be into doing camps or clinics or coaching kids or you know doing skills development I thought I was going to play forever but um, yeah I find you know my mindset no I still I, I can still play and I still play it at times for fun and for recreation but for you know as a career to you know make money you know as a job uh, that, that those days are behind me mm. so what would you want fans to kind of you know, 
when, when we mentioned legacy or careers or whatever, like what would you want people to know Smooch Parker more, uh, know more about you as far as your playing days? You know, aside from the drama, what would you want them to know about your career? Um, just look at the stats. I just want them to look at look at the look at the uh, stats. Mm-hmm. Just look at the receipts. Just look at my play. Judge me by my play and not by what somebody else says. Mm-hmm. If they see me by my play, uh, they'll they'll, uh, they'll appreciate the you know the hard work that I put in, and you know, if, and if they if they do that, then they go they'll go the extra mile and doing their research on how it is I got to the NBA. Because mm-hmm. if anybody knew my story on how I got there, you know, I think you know a lot of the thing a lot of a lot of the work that I put in would be appreciated. Right. But a lot of people don't know the, the work that I put in to get there. They just they just you know hear the things that other people say, and and that's and that's their word for it. You know, because certain certain words are, mm. are 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 you know valuable to them when it comes out of certain people's mouths. Right. I would just say you're 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 an underdog that overachieved, man. I think you you worked hard. You know, go back going back to um, like things weren't handed to you. You weren't getting. You know the paid contracts in the beginning. You you went undrafted, but you still went to the camps and you busted your ass and you you, you made it. You made it happen where people could say Smush had a what a good five six, six year career in the NBA. That you know I, I can't say that most most guys in New York can't say that. So for for what it's worth, I think if I had to put it into one line, is Smush was an underdog that overachieved in his NBA career. Yeah. And uh, I would actually, I like to say, I like to coin this phrase because it's true. Okay. Um, I played for the most historic franchise in NBA history. And not only did I play, I started for the most historic franchise in NBA history. I started for one of the most decorated coaches in NBA history. Mm-hmm. And I started, I started in the backcourt with one of the, you know, NBA's t- greatest players to ever play the game. Yep. As a walk-on. That's crazy. <laughs> You're as, right about that. As, as a walk-on. Yeah. Like, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't go to any, I didn't go to any of these, uh, on any of these teams with a guaranteed contract. I wasn't even on their, their, their radar. Like, I was just, you know, somebody who was filling a practice spot. Mm-hmm. And I earned my way onto each one of the teams that I played on. Yes, you did. Absolutely. And I wish that people nowadays would see that, whether they're from our era or the, or the new genre, the new era. They hope to see that Smush Parker, you know, I, I, I know you don't use your government a lot, so I still so I still call you Smush. Um, <laughs> just to recognize what you do and, you know, if they can go on the YouTube and, and Twitter and all that, just, just go and Google it. And like you said, check the stats, right? Yeah, check the stats, check the highlights, check the plays. Because, I, I, yeah, just check it. Yep. Let's uh, check it. Smush Parker, great friend of mine, great friend of the, of the family. I always appreciate you, um, you know, first of all, doing what you did for our tournament back in the days. Uh, you know, you're always more than welcome to come by and, and, and come through and see what we're doing now. Always, always been a friend of the family. We definitely appreciate what you've done. And we're always big fans of what you did before and what you do now. So we, we wish you the best of luck. And I thank you for coming on the show, man. 
Thanks for having me, man. You know, we family for life, man. Mm-hmm. We go way back, like you said. Uh, your family is my family. My right. family is your family. And wh- whenever you uh, whenever you need me to come back on a show, um, I'm with it. And I just want to say congratulations on uh, uh, what is what everything that you're doing, everything that your brother's doing, and you know we got some business that we need to handle too. We oh. talked about it this summer. Yeah. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely. And uh, you can find Smush on Twitter. Um, I'm sorry, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Smush underscore Parker Elite for all information. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, man. Take it easy. Later. All right.